Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to this week's slightly late and aborted episode of the Imaginary Movie Podcast. A podcast where two of us, and sometimes even three of us, if Ross's location can be ascertained, uh, we watch a movie and then we talk about it. Uh, My name's David, and um, I think this is the first uh, movie I've watched on the toilet on YouTube (laughs) for the podcast. (laughs) Uh, My name's Sam, and in a similar vein... This movie was unaccountably on YouTube in full. <laughs> I don't understand why. <laughs> well, it's not so unaccountable. So, this week we watched Dogma, the uh, Kevin Smith film from 1999. If you are our age, obviously you love this movie because this is a total, like... This is a total... If you're 17, this is your favourite movie it's in the so world. It's so deep, man. It's such a deep movie. I'm so deep yeah. because I know this deep movie, man. Yeah. I yeah. know. So... So, and you can, you, you, this is your trivia, Sam. It was you who figured this out. We talked about watching Dogma. I'm not sure where, when it came up, but it wasn't streaming. And it was one of these weird ones, like um, Casino is another one we've recently found, where Casino. not only is it not streaming for free, you can't rent it. And, like, for, it must be a rights you thing. And, you can't buy it. You can't buy it digitally. You have to buy the DVD. I had to which, buy a DVD. You did. And then, I had to, and then I had to fucking suffer through a DVD menu. All of this, and then I did some tense. I did ten seconds of googling. I found it just like Dogma, unaccountably in full on YouTube, <laughs> in HD. It's been there for like seven years, and nobody's bothered well, to take it down. There's a specific reason why Dogma isn't streaming, of course. Go on, mystery. I, I, acting as if I don't know. I was kind of leading it into because it was your. Oh, I know. I'll do the bit. Isn't so basically this. Is owned by the Harvey Weinstein. Is that right? It is. I was reading the production of this movie. Is that um, right? And it's to do with uh, so when Kevin Smith. This is a Kevin Smith movie, obviously. Um, and if anyone doesn't know, just briefly, Kevin Smith is kind of a weird director in that he went to uh, film school for four months, dropped out, sold all of his belongings, um, and filmed uh, the movie Clerks basically on what amounted to a big camcorder, cast all of his mates in all of the roles and maxed out all his credit cards to do it. It cost him about 30 grand. Uh, And it was a huge success um, and launched his career and everything like that. Sounds like a great life lesson to me. I'm going to go do that right now. Well, it just goes to show that, like, actually... Hollywood success guaranteed. If you've got a bit of creativity and, like, you're lucky, basically. Uh, But essentially what happened was um, Kevin Smith made Clerks... I think it made $12 million on a $27,000 budget, which is an insane margin um, percentage. So I'm going to just correct you. 27000 but $3.2 million. Oh, office. still, still. I think it all oh, Very, very was, good. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe it was Chase, Chasing Amy that made $12 million. Anyway, it's not important. Um, like, And basically, Harvey Weinstein had approached Kevin Smith to basically say... I really liked this movie and tried. I think he tried to buy it, and Kevin Smith basically, I think, said no because anyway. But they they established a relationship where I think they kind of helped him get the money to make Dogma because he made more rats after he made uh, Clerks, and that cost. As off the top of my head, you don't need to correct me. Uh, that cost sort of three or four million and made fucking nothing. Um, and then chasing Amy cost. A few, I think, seven hundred and fifty grand, and made about ten million or six million, something like that. So, like, mm-hmm. not huge movies. 
So I think um, Weinstein had kind of like helped Kevin Smith to get the budget for this movie because it was a bit higher, quite a lot higher than his, his previous budgets. What was the budget for this movie, Sam? Um, the budget for Dogma was, um, I was just looking at more rats, which yeah, made six million, um, cost six million, made two. For Dogma, it's a budget of 10 and a box office of 44. So, yeah. and and this feels but, like a 10 million dodgy budget. So anyway, Weinstein, why does Weinstein own this? Tell me why Weinstein owned this. Basically because he funded it, I think. And Jesus so Christ. he owned it. And presumably and then, he, know, he was a professional in the industry and knew that, the money would he wouldn't make money from box office. He wanted to own it so he could make money from DVD sales. DVD sales, and then he went to prison. <laughs> so obviously, was he's not on YouTube trying to see if his films are being streamed. For middle, free. middle, exactly. Middle, middle, middle. There is no nobody's trying to copyright claim this basically. because nobody I is out he's... to defend Harvey Weinstein because, like, he is one of the few men in Hollywood who has been held to account for his crimes. His decades, yeah, and this, decades. Of this abuses. was put online on the twenty eighth of. I'm just going to pause a minute while I just compose myself. It was put online the 28th of November 2019 by the user Russian Cooch Smoocher. <laughs> I think that's really in the uh, in the same vein as this movie. It's uh, there we go. It's a blast from the there past. There we go. I mean, presumably, is that Harvey Weinstein's username? Is that makes? I don't know. Anyway, moving on. So, so he's not Russian. <laughs> In, in Dogma, an abortion clinic worker with a special heritage is called upon to save the existence of humanity from being negated by two renegade angels trying to exploit a loophole and re-enter heaven. Goodness me, that's a long sentence without a comma. It's a long movie. What is this, two hours eight? Two hours plus, yeah. So let's talk about a little, let's talk a little bit. I don't really cannot be bothered getting into the plot of this film. No, let's not bother. Let's talk about what we talk about. Can we talk what, about the abortion clinic? Hold on, I want to talk about a little bit of history first. I want to talk about where you... you, <laughs> so you the Napoleonic Wars, right? So the yeah. Battle of Talavera. <laughs> so the flooding of the Nile. Uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> That's at least tangentially related. That's biblical. It is. There we go. There we go. Moses, Red Seas. So you mentioned it already a little bit, you alluded to it, in that this is a film, I think, that as a younger man, read Idiot... <laughs> I, I, Not all I young people this. are idiots, but you are. Yeah. yeah, I watched this when I was fifteen or sixteen. When I watched almost an unaccountable amount of films, like when 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 someone says to me, "Have you seen this?" Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, "Like Schindler's List." I'm like, "Yeah, I've seen Schindler's." I don't remember almost anything about it because I watched it. 15 or 16 years ago like I just it's so far away in my, but I have seen it and I do have like a vague memory and also I'm never going to watch Schindler's List as an adult no because no. I've got a bit here though Sam just, I'm just to rail you entirely you know we were talking about stand up comedy earlier right what is it about teenage men I, mean, I know what it is so don't you, it's fine but what is it about teenage boys what's where the deal you've got to agree that you've done or seen everything Someone asked you a question. Like, did you ever fuck the Sultan of Timbuktu? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I fucked the Sultan of Timbuktu. Yeah, of course, yeah. Like, you have to agree to everything. You can never be perceived to be As being uh, lack knowledge or, or experience. So yeah. every 15-year-old boy has shagged 50 Even though, women, has invaded fucking Nepal, you know, has... Even though not having an experience is probably the uh, single most common trait of a 15-year-old. <laughs> like, yeah. 
it, unless it's playing video games and masturbating, you don't have a lot going on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what it, and it's toxic masculinity where it teenage boys is. feel the need to like, oh, if I let these guys know that I'm not like an accomplished um, yeah. sex And maker. I also know how to use every single power tool known to man. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Like but, if I don't if I don't have that in my if I if I let these people know one thing, if I if I tell them I am not like an accomplished urbane adult with you know lots of experiences, they are gonna fucking rip me to shreds and throw yeah. me in the street. And that's why as a sixteen year old I watched Citizen Kane. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That was a great punchline. <laughs> Is there a better movie to watch because you're a prick <laughs> when you're 16? Not that it's not a great movie. I wouldn't know. I've not seen it. But like, is there more? Oh, is there more? Don't we, don't we do this every week? Oh, we can't point. do this again. You're going to go watch Citizen Kane right after this. I'll send you my DVD. <laughs> Game. And I'll get it somehow right after this. <laughs> <laughs> On YouTube in full. <laughs> So, anyway, my point, my point being though, is that this is one of those films, and the re- you're very true there. You've, it's very true what you're saying because, and that's why I actually was like, no, I want to watch films. I really got into like just being, at the, you know, right into movies. It was a great part of my life, and many years later, set up, you know, gave me the knowledge and vast experience <laughs> to be able to talk authoritatively about movies on this podcast. But Dogma was one of those films, and it was one of those films. I think I had seen Clerks. I saw Clerks afterwards. So this was my first entry into Kevin Smith. And I really liked this as a as a kid. I thought it was clever. I thought it was like exploring something in a relatively original way. And actually, to be fair, I think the film mostly holds up in that regard. Where it falls apart is is more to me like the technical filmmaking like the stuff where once you once you do gain that experience once you have have you know you've not studied film necessarily but you you've learned enough to 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 get into the the gubbins of what works and why does what what works about stories and and structures and you think actually that's my biggest problem with this movie it's not necessarily what it's saying which is all the religion stuff is is an interesting take it's novel it's I cannot have another fucking library scene where they all sit down and talk about the minutia of the Bible. This I mean, there are mu- there must be um, double figures uh, scenes in this movie where they all sit around a table going, oh man, that's crazy. So, and then Deuteronomy 7 and then Methuselah rookie cards. Like, what is going on? Like, it's, it's kind just of the trouble endless. where, like, obviously the people who made this and Kevin Smith, like, they have a much deeper knowledge of the Bible uh, than we do. Um, we're quite a secular nation as a rule, um, and like maybe so maybe you lose some of the humour there. There is a lot of library scenes. Uh, for me, the problem I have find with this movie, yes, I think the filmmaking is actually quite poor. Um, I think that this is. As far as like Kevin, as far as like innovative filmmaking, I'm not sure this even remotely counts because I just think it's very workmanlike. It's fine for the most part, but there's not, you know, this isn't like a directorial triumph. Um, but the biggest problem I have is how shallow it is. Um, like uh, the the main character works at an abortion clinic, 
Uh, that's an interesting thing for uh, a lapsed Catholic, a Catholic, and a practicing Catholic to do. Um, mm-hmm. And like the whole film's about the Catholic Church and the Catholic religion. And like she works in an abortion clinic. That's interesting. We could maybe explore that and the dichotomy of like, oh, are we pro anti abortion. We don't necessarily have to say, but like, let's explore abortion a bit. Film isn't interested. Nah, fucking forget about it, mate. Oh, the Catholic Church and like the. Um, uh, disgusting um, the way they base the the um, George Carlin who um, George Carlin yeah George Carlin um, he's the <coughs> the Archbishop or the Bishop or whoever um, he's like um, soulless Buddy Christ and we're gonna make church sexier and more like McDonald's to make money Catholicism like, wow there is there is something to be explored there in the, the American the American consumerism could infect the Catholic Church and we could have more like I wanted more jokes about selling indulgences and like fucking drive through uh drive through confession and obviously the film didn't have the budget for that. But like I wanted a harder sort of mass commercialism affects the church thing. And again the film's kinda like Ah, we're not really interested in that. What they actually want to tell you about is fucking really dry, like scholarly fucking Bible history. And it's like, no actually maybe let's like explore these themes that we've established and then we can have this like no we've got to talk about fucking jesus's family tree and the fact that jesus was black again pretty funny we drop that immediately like there's loads of stuff in this movie where you kind of like you've got it you've got your hooks into it kevin smith and for whatever reason you felt you couldn't go harder or you just didn't think you thought that that would sacrifice some of the comedy but you could make this so much better if it was more relevant and like that's I what think... struck me watching it now because I also loved this as a teenager. I thought it was clever. I thought it was funny. I thought it was edgy because when you're a teenager, mm. everything has to be edgy. <laughs> oh, we're offending people. <laughs> we're offending the people. Oh yeah. There is there is a big element on that, isn't it? And I think as being you know, I didn't grow up in a religious household, but I grew up. I went to a Church of England school and all that stuff. So or Church of Wales school. So it really was like you the fuck see is the Church your... of Wales. Yeah, who knows? You you see you see Big. all of, you see all of that, and you're kind of like, well, this is my antidote to that. And as a completely and utterly irreligious person, I agree with almost all of it, except actually the film is to me, and to your point, it's a film about Kevin Smith clearly working through his own religious doubts, curiosities, etc. I, I I really genuinely wonder if he considers himself spiritual not necessarily you know uh, um does he believe in a god or god this whatever. is a very agnostic film in that way isn't it, it it's not it's not so it, it, on one side it's not going like look at you idiots worshipping a fake man in the sky which is a very teenage boy thing to consider not that i think that's wrong to be fair but also <laughs> are the teenage all, boys right <laughs> just just on this one thing but also it's also like it's quite reverent of of uh, of all this. Now, anyway, my, I sidetracked myself. My point was though that it's there's too much going on in this, and so that's when we lose the focus. We've got all of these things that you've you've mentioned there, all of these ideas that are kind of like brought together, mashed into this big pot and stirred around through four or five library scenes when they talk about things around a table. And then the film's kind of like throws away two of them, leaves one there, ignores one for 40 minutes and then comes back to it. And you're like, what was that thing? It just completely, like there's no, 
There's no discipline. There's no discipline to say, this is what we want to focus on. We've got these, we've got Matt Damon and the other one doing, <laughs> doing, Affleck. yeah. I know, I know, I know, I knew his name, Dave. The other one. We've got Matt Damon and the other one doing you mean their Batman? Of like. How dare you? <laughs> they, Sorry, they, former they, Batman. They need to get into heaven by, by like, and you think, oh, okay, I'm already confused. They have so there's to tell like you a, this there's like seven an arch. times, Sam. There's an arch they go confusing. through. And, and God can't stop this, even though he's omnipotent. omnipotent and so because, because man made this and so God has to, like, it doesn't, you know, like, okay, fine. No, no, we don't have time, we don't have time, we don't have time. No, it's move based on, on somebody, on. Sam, thinking they're really clever. And, like, it's based on a contradiction in the Bible. We don't like, have time. And the we whole don't. thing, and it's like... The movie doesn't have time. But it's so on. complicated. No, the move movie does on. have time, Sam, because every scene is them sat around a table in a diner it's or a strip <laughs> club or a train or a fucking Mexican restaurant or, like, another diner, like, discussing this. The whole the whole movie is them sitting around a table it's somewhere talking about this. There's very little else in this movie. Yeah. If it's not and them got, sitting around a table, you've got the bad guys sitting around a table, or the other bad guys sitting around a table. They're all sitting around, and then the shit monsters throw things. The at shit them, monster might be the most abhorrent thing in this entire movie. It's absolutely. If, if not it, Selma Hayek, who's for some reason in this movie, like, so that they can talk about her tits, and for very little other reason other than to be a fucking MacGuffin later on. I know. It's Chekhov's know. Uh, muse. <laughs> <laughs> She's come back to tell us how to solve the thing. Great. Wow, Chekhov music looks great. Uh, so, so, Linda Fiorentino, though, she's got her thing. Like she's And she's the protagonist, in theory, of, like, how... So she's going to... She's doubting herself. So as you say, she's a you know, Catholic woman who works in an abortion clinic and... Who can't have children. Again, and there's, there's, there's something... There's another There's thread. another movie where... Like, this woman can explore some of these issues, but obviously this is made by... Like, and I'm sure Kevin Smith has grown and matured since, although he is still making Jay and Silent Bob movies, so maybe not. No, um, <laughs> but, like, this is a young man making a movie, and so he's not interested in... Ex- you know, this woman's, like, emotional arc is just non-existent. Yes. So, sorry, yeah, sorry. And, uh... It isn't non-existent, Sam. At the end, she gets a baby. Yeah. What do women want? Babies. <laughs> Babies. And nothing else. Uh, it is. It is. It is a. It is a confusing. It's a confusing. Again, it's it's a, it's a confusing part of this movie because it's another thread that doesn't really. It doesn't really feel like it fits in with the rest of it, and that's where I struggle with this film: is that we've got all of these discordant ideas, all vaguely heading in different directions, and sometimes they converge and sometimes they kind of like you get a moment where you think oh they're trying to tie things together like you know the baby thing uh, 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 Fiorentina's plot Jay and Silent Bob kind of just want to have sex with women that's fine I guess that's, I guess that's just what I do okay that's fine I mean the puerile nature of that really hits me now I'm like I think even as a 15 year old I didn't think that this was that funny <laughs> Please stop. Running, please stop. <laughs> I mean, it's funny on the face of it, but I've watched. Is I've it? watched quite. I've watched. It is. I've watched quite a lot of Kevin Spacey movies. Uh, I was really into. I had like when I was a teenager. Kevin I had, Smith. Like, this. I had this Kevin's, phase. 
Kevin what? Smith movie. You just said Kevin Spacey. Not incorrect. Oh, I didn't, you I didn't say Kevin Spacey, did I? You did, yeah. I meant Check Kevin the Smith records. Movies. I also had the thing for Kevin Spacey uh, movies, but that's a that's a whole other level of. Uh, but of, 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 yeah. I had this like, and I will say brief thing. Um, I had, we had this older friend at school who was like, I think she'd just finished uni, and obviously she, being that much older, had watched a lot of these movies as they came out. So kind of like was like, oh, these are great, blah blah blah. So I I'd seen Clerks, I'd seen More Rats, uh, which I I actually liked uh, as a teenager. So. Uh, Chasing Amy, which I think is his best film. Um, I think I've probably even seen Jersey Girl, which is one of the more depressing films where Ben, ben Affleck's is a single father because his wife has died. Um, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Like I'd seen a lot of these movies when I watched Dogma for the first time. And Jane Silent Bob are kind of like, they've got more to do in the other movies. More to do, but they're on the screen less, if that makes sense. Like mm. they're actually... When they're in, when they're on screen, they're doing something that's relevant. In Mall Rats, they kind of exist to be like somebody listened to be a distraction in this mall, and that's kind of like why they're in the movie, and then they're out of the movie. You know, chasing Amy. They, I think they're, they're briefly in it. You know, it's whereas this them being in the main cast, but also then having nothing to contribute to being in the main cast. Yeah, they get and a also, couple of hit shots, don't they? Also, wrong with fucking get out of your movies, directors. Get the fuck out of your movies. Tarantino as well. I don't want to see your face. Get behind that camera. You're a director. <laughs> fucking don't inflict that on me. I love the bile, love the bile don't and stop your movie. No, because Tarantino, I think, is perhaps worse. Because at least Kevin Smith is playing this same character and blah, blah, blah. And he's not talking a lot. Tarantino basically fucking stops his movie dead to be like, Hey, look, it's me. And I'm like, fucking, I, what? And he's a director again. I like his movies, but just no. get off the screen. Yeah. You've hired I, actors I, for this. You're not an actor, so you've hired it. You outsourced that. And then you fucking get off the screen anyway. And also, Tarantino, your chin is just so distracting. I just can't, like, every character just has this absolutely massive chin. And I, I'm sorry, <laughs> I shouldn't point it out, but I just, it completely destroys the movie for me because I'm just like, Who's that guy with the massive chin? Between Tarantino, his chin, and the amount of feet, the amount of ladies' feet in Tarantino (laughs) movies, it's amazing that they're successful and I can watch them and enjoy them, genuinely. That man has a foot foot, fetish, genuinely. Absolutely, 100%. 100%, Sam. He hasn't got a movie without a woman with a fucking... Why is she taking her shoes off to go through the broken glass factory? (laughs) Because Tarantino likes seeing them pinkies. That's why. Do it. Do it now. Yeah. Take those shoes off. Man. Other things yeah. in this. Look at Uma Thurman's feet and Tarantino. What an astounding pair. Good. Moving on. Don't want to think about that. Because um, <laughs> feet, whor- in- feet are horrible. Other, other things in this. We've got. We've also got uh, uh, Snape, Severus Snape, who I, the actor who plays him. The cast in this is insane. Uh, what's his name? Jesus Christ. Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. Is <laughs> <laughs> that a family who, guy joke? It is, yeah. Who 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 is doing I think doing like he's he's doing his best to add a level of groundedness to this movie. He's also quite funny, I thought. I think he's great. I think this I would put this into things that I like, things that I really enjoyed about about Dogma. And on even on a rewatch, I'm like I just every time he's on screen he has a funny bit to say, he's lovely and sarcastic. I was Alan Rickman, did he have a London accent? Like he seems to have like some kind of southern I don't know. I don't know what accent he's, he has. He's I think doing, been watching Harry he's doing that. I would put term it that that accent that Americans expect British people to have. That's what I have. thought, but I I haven't 
watched an interview. He's doing like a, a Cockney adjacent accent. Ish. Anyway. So, so other other um Chris Rock fabulous performance. Love it. He again, funny, light, but also he's kind of like again, he's a bit more grounding, and that's I think that that helps the movie. Well, the he's movie a character with down. like a He's the only character with an actual motivation in this movie, Sam, aside from yeah. um, the fucking Wonder Twins. Like, Jesus was black, and he feels maligned as a black man for being left out of the Bible. Well, let's yeah. explore that. That's interesting. Thinking white and people ruining that, religion for everyone, yeah. Yeah, when, when, you look at, when you look at like how the representations of, of Jesus, especially now in America or whatever else, he's Body always Christ. a white guy. Body Christ. <laughs> He's a, Buddy Christ is, a, is an amazing joke. Because it's, so it's so dead it's on. It's so dead on. It's such a good meme. It's a, it, that has li- you know, lived on in a meme. But again, Chris Rock is good in this. Carlin's good. All of that is fun. Like the actual character. I could have stood more Janine Garofalo, to be honest. She's in this movie for one scene. Yes. Yes, there's lots of those kind of like... You can't help but think that Kevin Smith basically got this enormous budget, bigger than any budget he'd ever had before, and was like, well, who can I get? <laughs> it really feels like that, because so much of this budget must have gone on like the cast. I'm going to hire not only all have my you friends. Got, not only and... have you got Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, fucking two years after they did Good Will Hunting, I, arguably before they both became like legitimate leading men, like this is the, the height of their power as like a double act, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they've got they, they they do have a great they they have a and and what I'm trying to say all through the film you get that you get the the ability of all the cast I think are present is presented really well you know they're all given a relatively good amount to do and they all pretty much deliver that but again we go back to I think the criticism is that it's also fractured it's so unorganized. There's so much of it that you kind of all, I think it all gets lost. You know, if, if I, I would have to say, let's start calling characters. Let's just, let's just start moving character. Gone. Sorry. Sorry, Salma Hayek. Yeah. I think, I actually think she's a great actress. I, I love and her. And she's fun in this. She's fun in this. Don't she's get me wrong. She's fun. She's light. But like, she's, but what are you, what rid. are you here to do? What yeah. are you here to do? Chris Rock basically can do everything that she does. Yeah. Or get rid of Chris Rock. I don't mind either way. I just think you need one, you need you need one character who's there to like explain things and say, "Listen, sweetheart, like this is what we need to do," and that's what that's what the. Um, I think you could also get rid of uh, Jason Lee and these um, hockey players. I think the Ben Affleck character could be the bad guy. Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, they're the antagonists, and then it's a great little turn at the end when. When Matt Damon realizes, yeah. oh shit, this is this is worse than he's he's gone. He is gone. He's just throwing people down now, like he's having a great time. Like that that unit that they create does not need all of these different inputs. And then we get the shit monster just barging in. They bring in the Jason Lee character and these hockey dickheads. To then kill them off before they've really done anything except had like several library scenes with various characters, yeah. and it's well, like the one thing it's they so do flabby. Do you start, could probably cut twenty minutes from this. Yeah, the the one thing that that they do, man, it, their role is to kill God or put God in a coma. And this could be Ben Affleck, couldn't it? It could be Ben Affleck. Like it, it could be. 
he trips <laughs> and and uh, Ben Affleck realizes this and says shit God's gone I just like I tried to talk to him and there's no one there like it's all of these complexities that bring that, that run through and it's the bit that I think you don't necessarily notice maybe in the first watch once you watched it a couple of times you start to really feel like wow we could move this forward a lot quicker and we could cut out a lot of this shit without having to to do much work like and that's the thing that I think that always makes sense when you're whether it's in the editing process or whether it's in the script writing process is just just say it simpler you know like I, I write things all the time that's my job is to write things in a short snappy way and when you can if you can remove three words and say and say the same thing do that do that every yeah. single time because if you need to add more words in like you can you know you can be a bit you know bit bit, bit sugary and add some stuff in there if you want to if you want to elaborate a little bit more but really if you can say it in three words then do that and that's what this film is also you free up is uh, screen time and this movie i think this movie in 90 minutes would be much more palpable yeah um and also you'd save some money to like do a better job of this end fight scene which it just honestly looked cheap the costumes look cheap the effects look cheap you've got your main cast members and no extras like <laughs> well again yeah. it just it feels quite um anticlimactic it also goes on for four four fucking hours until Alanis Morissette comes out um as god <laughs> again like please take that money pay a stunt coordinator <laughs> please <laughs> It's uh, there's there's there, there is there's so much weirdness, isn't there? There is. I'm amazed they so got Alan much. Rickman to do that um, crotch prosthetic, like out of all the people <laughs> who are angels in this movie. I'm amazed that it's Alan Rickman. They're like, that, right, well, he that has to cost one hundred and ten thousand dollars, and they had to pay him every penny of it. Yeah, it was it was money well earned on Alan Rickman's part. He earned every penny in this movie. That's um, horrible, sweaty crotch. Why is it so sweaty? His... Why Why are the oh, sweat guys in Hollywood so hot for sweat? Because <laughs> it's the sweat lobby, that's why. Damn sweat Alan, lobby. Alan's Rittman, like, let's just, um, this is, but his, Alan Rittman's junk had to be like, like taped back. <laughs> Someone had to do that. Someone's to, job was to, to take create, back like, that Alan Rittman's cock. mound. Like a Kendall, as they say in the film. Like, oh, that's it's a, a baffling. That's a, it's a strange decision. It's a really strange put that on my, decision. Put that on my gravestone. I take back Alan Rubin's junk for Dogma. <laughs> <laughs> the great Alan Rubin. Why wasn't it Jason Lee? He's a guy. You fucking he'll do that for free Matt Damon at this point Ben Affleck they're nobody's they're just young guys you got Alan Rickman the actor <laughs> have some respect it's baffling and do you know what that, that is why Alan Rickman is the is I think the best thing in this movie is because they got him to do that and because he's so silly um, he's, he's like, up for a lot isn't he he's up for yeah. a lot let's talk it's about it's a refreshing performance from quite an otherwise quite serious actor I think yeah yeah Let's talk about this um, this final scene because, as, as as we've said, I I have no interest in pulling through the plot of this because it is so just it's it's quite wild when you consider 
all of the different things happen. The sequencing takes quite a lot of time to get there. We have we have the uh, the the introduction of the the Metatron, you know, Alan Rickman. <laughs> that's one of the only names from the actual Bible I googled it because I thought that sounds really stupid. Yeah, uh, the Metatron is the one isn't with the fucking like, Wiki- hyperlink the w- on Wikipedia. It's from the Old Testament. It's an actual is, is, name of an angel. Isn't that the name of Thanos' like weapon? Isn't that yeah, exactly. <laughs> like fucking right. So is he? Is he with Optimus Prime or is he? Um, <laughs> is he a? Is he an Autobot or a Decepticon? Which one's the <laughs> Decepticon? Decepticon. Is he a Decepticon? He sounds like a Decepticon. Um, Must be. But no, Metatron. this is the actual one, and I'm like. Guys, you don't have I to do the Bible the gravity thing cube. quite yeah. so accurately. The, the angels can just have names. Like, oh, we're in the 21st century Catholic Church now. We all have... I'm I'm John, and I'm fucking Bob, and I'm... What's a, what's a, yeah. what's a Catholic name? Yeah, um, not Loki, which, again, is obviously... Yeah, it, Marvel has just poisoned everything, hasn't it? Even, even religion yeah. isn't immune to the uh, cultural osmosis that is Marvel. <laughs> So we've 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 got the introduction of these guys. We've got the introduction of of uh, uh, Christ. What's the face? What's the cat? What's the what's the, uh, Bethany? Bethany Sloan, played by Linda Fontino. So we've got all that. We've got Serendipity and the Muse. We've got the Thirteenth Apostle and Rufus, Chris Rock. <laughs> We've got the shit monster, all this is happening. We have the train where they all kind of like talk to each other and don't realise what's going on. Blah, 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 middle, middle, middle. Now they're in New Jersey and uh, like the universe is going to end, but God can't save any of this. Like surely God can do this until they realise that he was down playing skee-ball. And oh, by the way, uh, uh, Bethany is... The last scion, Jesus is like most recent relative. Uh, what? Okay, carry on. The movie spends you. twenty minutes telling us angels don't have dicks. Um, and uh, Mary fucked. She's the last scion. Yeah, Joseph and yeah. Mary fucked. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And then like they they confront the the priest or whatever the hell he is, and they they manage to. The, the uh, Christ middle Jason Sam, let's Lee's, not let's not no no middle, I, middle, no middle. because I just no I'm I'm getting to something here because then we've got Jason Lee who's here like doing his thing but then he dies and then there's like a whole fucking and then we're at the they're at the bit at the end the final scene where all of this comes to fruition and culminates and this is to me is where you're absolutely right you said it already all the stuff that that comes before. All of the boring shit that I've just listed kind of doesn't matter. None, none of it matters. None of it matters. Number one, Bethany's a chosen one. Number two, these guys want to go, want to, you know, they want to get the Holy Grail uh, and whatever, or whatever else. The rest of the gang are going to come along, obviously, because they're there. But we could get rid of so much of this and we still have the same ending. And that's what makes the relative weakness of the ending so poor it's so confusing because it is just like it doesn't this it's is not it. good setup and payoff is it no but the whole movie is set up and none um, of it pays off um, yeah a basic rule in filmmaking which we've explored before yeah why don't why don't you like this ending then what is it about that you mentioned the production. it's all so much fluff um i don't think it looks very good 
Um, I don't think there's a good sense of scale. Um, they shoot, he uses Nuzi to shoot off Ben Affleck's wings. And then Ben Affleck's a human, and I'm like, right, so fucking get in a car and run him over. It's like none of it makes lo- any logical sense, which is fine. But it's also kind of hard to understand where all the pieces are moving to and from. Uh, the fact that the hospital's just over the road, and we're going to save God or kill God, rather, we're going to get literally we're going to. Get, it's very confusing. When did the main character get shot? Why is she dying? I don't understand that either. Um, and it's kind of like maybe like its taste of like what's funny, like. You can be funny or you can have an action scene and they kind of try to do both and they don't sell either. Uh, the, the, the example being when uh, they Jay and and Bethany jump behind the, you know, they're, they're hiding from, from Ben Ben Affleck and he starts whipping his trousers off because she said at some point early in the movie, which the movie expects you to remember... <laughs> If if you were the last person on earth, or if if the world was ending, then I'd have sex with you. And he's like, right there we go. And you're like, nope. You see what that joke is there? That's a tension killer. You just destroyed all the tension. <laughs> yeah, and the Which fact even that they can in this have comedy that movie, while still none needs. of the other characters are under any fucking threat of violence whatsoever. Like, what's everyone else doing? They all got the phones. Well, not in 1999, but they were all fucking like sat reading the newspaper while we're having this looking scene at the pages the barricade. Yeah. And it's like. Again, I, th- I just don't think it's a particularly comp- competently made scene. Uh, then it's basically all resolved when they kill God and God comes back and fucking makes everything right again. And you're like, again, you could have in- ended the movie in, in minute five by having fucking, you know, someone knocking this cable in this hospital room and it... It just doesn't add up. Also, America yeah. isn't keeping a homeless man alive on fucking life support for several for days. Free. Who's paying for that? Who's paying? He hasn't got you know medical insurance. You know what it is? It's rules of the movie, isn't it? And that's something we talk about a lot. Because it's important. Because you kind of have to have consistent, um, understandable, believable rules of your film. Now, the problem is is that the rules of the movie are also the rules of organised religion, which is really confusing and quite complicated and ends up being a bit silly. And that's where I think maybe we, we're hitting up against, you know, the, the brick wall of, like, there's too much dogma in this. Hey, there's too much going on. There's too they much, stick like, to it too closely, I think, because they, yeah. they assume that that's where the humour is going to come from. Actually, the humour should maybe come from comedy, <laughs> which there yeah. is. There are bits, but it, you know, it's, it's there all very late, in this isn't movie. It? I didn't, I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it, and I did. Mm. I wasn't. I didn't come away from it like I did when I was a teenager, thinking it was clever and it made me think about things. And maybe that says it's, more about the secular, more secular culture we live in now, maybe than '99. Mm-hmm. I did like the 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 actual bit where God turns up, though. And it's Elias Morissette, and you're like, wow. That's four reasons. <laughs> okay. I like I like the message of that. All the way through them. It's quite you know, it's quite a mean movie, isn't it, generally? And a lot of Kevin Smith movies are in that sense. He's he's got a axe to grind and he's got like a bit of a subversive take to have. But when it comes to the actual ending and God's picking flowers and she is is quite a chilled out happy-go-lucky person who is is like i i like the wonder and awe that comes from that and 
and you think, and I also think, that must be quite comforting to think that that's the end point. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. But but anyway, it just it ends up being quite a nice moment, but it doesn't necessarily reflect all the other things that happen through the film, and it feels discordant, out of place by itself in a way that kind of sours it. You think if we'd managed to collect that little drop of sundew or whatever that makes that makes that nice feeling run through the movie and and maybe Fiorentina has a connection to that somehow a bit more apparently that she feels disconnected but also she also feels like like there's something there that feeling of what you know god looking down upon you and and being and you feeling at ease like she's 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 yearning for that. She's searching for it. She's dead through most of that that but scene anyway. So it's there's also something here where like what I maybe would have liked in fixing the movie a little bit. Yeah, is what's always confused me about the Bible um, is this juxtaposition of Jewish God, as we'll refer to him, Old Testament God, and New Testament God, where like and they kind of say a bit about this in the movie where Loki is kind of like you know he's the avenging angel and such and such and we kind of talk a bit about gods being like right we'll go and smite them all and what would have been maybe a nice conclusion for me is maybe a realization or some sort of explanation that like god tried to be the sort of god who got involved and stopped floods and saved people and fucking burnt down towns full of people who were having homosexual sex because that's what god's into God is obsessed <laughs> with it. He just wants all to know this, every single detail. He wants to look at it closely, carefully, to make sure he knows what's going on. And the eye for an eye stuff, and that basically the upshot of it could be, and you could have Alan Rickman who could Real deliver this shit. Real Old Testament say, shit, Your Honour. Say, yeah. like, you lean more into the Old Testament shit, and you say, and, got, and the world starts to go like that, like, fucking, because Loki is taking on that position of fucking just taking Cats revenge. And, dogs living and you say, exactly, and then and you have Alan Rickman say at the end, basically, like, and God decided, you know, enough was enough. When, um, when, when, the, when, Pharisees, they kill, when, they kill when the Pharisees son. killed his son, like God realized that, like interfering on earth directly, that you know that that caused more harm and more chaos. Blah 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 blah. God damn, we like, are rewriting the Bible amazingly right now. Yeah, but that wouldn't that be a fantastic like resolution of Christianity and also this film, um, <laughs> where maybe we could have Bethany is the main character. Sorry, is it? Yeah. We're going to have Bethany kind of come to that realisation. And, like, it feels cheap to, like, have the reward that Bethany gets, not some sort of enlightenment, a fucking baby. Um, she gets to be a single mother. Um, like, and it just... 18 years It feels really, and really vomit. cheap. Like, yeah. oh, you've saved the world, you've done all of this, and what do you get? You get to have a baby with no father. Something that they mention th- three times, I think, that they, she had a husband and then she couldn't get married and so she left him. She left her, sorry. He, Jesus. He she left her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So she, and, and, and so all of that happens. Now there's, you know, like people raise kids by themselves all the time. There's not, but it's more that just doesn't feel earned. It doesn't feel earned. You mentioned before we get lots of, set up I think in this point they don't really even set that up very much and so all of a sudden woof, you're pregnant and it feels a bit like oh did she ask for that or oh, is that really what she wanted oh I don't know I'm not sure but I like the idea of connecting the story of like 
Jesus to this woman and making her... Um, and you could still uh, have like, it be satirical and you could still have it be funny. Like You don't have to take out the Rickman... You should take out the shit monster, but you'd have to take out like the Rickman crotch shot or... Even the Selma Hayek stuff, honestly, but like maybe take out the shit monster. Um, <laughs> but you can still have all the nonsense in it and maybe just be a bit more... Either that or you go full on and lay into the Catholic Church to the extent that your movie gets um, boycotted even more than it was. Even and he doesn't do either. The Catholic yeah. Church didn't speak out against this movie, but the Catholic League did protest outside some theatres. I, I think they protest because it's Wednesday... To be fair, so I'm not sure. That well, the, the telling thing is that the Catholic Church didn't say anything, and the Catholic, obviously, the Catholic Church, they don't like to be bad mouthed, and they obviously looked at this and said, "We're not really being bad mouthed because they're not." <laughs> they looked at it and said, "Kevin, who? <laughs> We're doing worse shit than this every day of the week, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't mentioned child molestation once." <laughs> oh, that really got me. And, I, and it's accurate as well. <laughs> that's why it's funny. And that's why it's funny, <laughs> exactly. Oh, uh, there we go. I think, you know, I think we've ranted about this film enough now. But you know what? Self-reflection. That's what, to me, this film represents. This is a film of self-reflection to go, actually. I thought this was, like, I didn't think it was amazing and a great, yeah, I should definitely watch. Uh, have you you've never seen Citizen K? Like, I didn't, I didn't think of it at that level. But what I did think is that I think it held up in my head more than it did in in, in reality. When we talked about watching this, I was kind of looking forward to watching it because I remembered liking it. Again, I didn't remember loving this movie. It was never my favourite movie, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was clever. But you watched it it a couple of times, more than once. Yeah, I watched it more than once because it's like, it's it's that Kevin Smith dialogue that's kind of delivered at breakneck pace and is not hard to follow, but like... Is like teenagers talking to each other. It's the reason Kevin Smith has a career is because of this dialogue, and that's in this movie, which mm-hmm. makes it really rewatchable. Yeah, um, and it's that, and, it, and it's that anymore, level maybe. of hmm. Not anymore. Not rewatchable anymore. Maybe <laughs> I don't see me going back to this one. To be honest, you know what it is. You know what it is. Just like when you're younger, you'll read any old shit. You know, you'll read the Beano. You'll read comic books. You'll progress. The back Actually, of the shampoo bottle, if it's a particularly long bowel movement, uh, anything. <laughs> I think it's about your taste develop. Your um, you become more a bit attuned to what you like. And we watch films for a podcast, and it, not that it's difficult, <laughs> but you know it's Sunday night and you're tired. Fucking don't waste my time. Do not waste my time. In so many movies, the movies we hate are the ones that waste our time that are boring and this wasn't necessarily boring but it got really close it's certainly points. on the kind of like the down end of that spectrum isn't it where like and this is closer to the boring i'm going to turn this off and pull my rip my imaginary podcast ripcord than it is to the like a film we can talk about really coherently for it's not it's not the fellowship of the ring is it you know yeah and it's, it's not, not even three about hours length. of podcast easy it's not even about length we'll sit and watch interstellar five times a week like there's films that <laughs> there's films that are well made and that's what that's actually what I loved about watching this in some ways is that it really made me feel like, like, the the are not that we're great or anything, but our grasp of of we are of, 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 we are. <laughs> of course we are, our grasp of the technical has improved. I think even in the two years that we've been doing this, like because there's elements where I think cut that shot there, cut it now, like yeah. go back and cut 
there because you are wasting my time. You're wasting the audience's time, and it doesn't add anything to your themes and to your subject matter. And hindsight's twenty twenty, isn't it? It is, but that's what film criticism is about, and that's why I enjoyed yeah. that whole process. Of like, that's why films like this are good to watch, like yeah. most of the time. Um, and then you know sometimes. But if you're Less 15... So. I think Ross wanted to watch fucking The Grey Man, the fucking Ryan Gosling spy thriller. Trying to, the, the film that's trying to single-handedly save Netflix from bankruptcy. <laughs> click is my answer to that. Just to be clear, he means click off, not click on. It's, it's a very off. unclear bit he started doing. It's very unclear. It's an, Ameri- it's an American dad bit. It's an American dad bit. And the sooner you realise that, Dave, the sooner you keep up with my comedic genius that I've stolen somewhere else... The scene will be on. <laughs> like all thing. great artists. <laughs> Plagiarised it from someone else. Great artists, great artists steal and use it for their podcast. <laughs> Which the moment has no viewers and makes no money. Do you think? There it uh, is. There's a, last, there's a last note before we go because um, I've got a bottle of wine downstairs that's singing to me. Um, I mine. I know. Um, but do you think? Like when we are rich and successful on our podcast, that all these episodes will have aged really poorly, or we'll still be making jokes about how we don't make any money and we have no subscribers when we have tens of subscribers. I think that we should 100% carry on making those jokes, <laughs> even when we. I think we should also talk about our fake Patreon forever. Uh, even when we do have a Patreon, we can talk about the fake imaginary, the imaginary Patreon. I think we should just imaginary, always do that. Imagine, imagine, imaginary. I think. If, I'll, if a workshop, any- I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that to a <laughs> yeah, focus You group. do that offline. If, if anything, <laughs> <laughs> that just came out if, straight away. Fucking business meeting head. <laughs> if anything, if, if the total lack of audience and engagement uh, in this podcast has taught, if that's taught me anything, is that we should just continue exactly what we're doing with absolutely no self-reflection whatsoever. <laughs> Except self-reflection 20 years ago. In 20 years, we will self-reflect on this podcast like we self-reflect now on movies we watched 20 years ago and really liked. Yeah. But then we'll have money, so who cares? Fucking that's what we keep getting told, but no one's giving me any (laughs) money, Sam. Sorry, Dave, we're breaking up. See you later, mate. Cheers, (laughs) mate. Bye. Bye.